Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. If you love Welsh rugby, then this is the place for you. The Six Nations is now over. Wales finished second. But what did we learn during this campaign? Uh, Meanwhile, England finished fifth and Ireland romped home to the Grand Slam. In the next 45 minutes or so, we will be examining the Welsh team and deciding what we can take out of this tournament. All the talking points, all the controversy and all the reaction. Now, this podcast is all about fans, so we'd love to hear your opinion as well. And remember, you can do that by getting in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or on Facebook by liking our Facebook page or indeed joining our Facebook group, which is called Wales Rugby Fans, which is growing at a rate of knots. So make sure you get on there and get stuck in. And of course, a quick word. Before we get underway for our sponsors, and we're very proud to be sponsored by So Coffee Trades, the um, the coffee company set up by the Ospreys hooker, Scott Otten, and big thanks to them for supporting the show. And if you're a coffee lover, make sure you head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk, and next time you can enjoy the attacking scrum with a really nice cup of coffee. Right, Stan Killick, regular co-host, joins me once again. How are you doing, Dan? How's your weekend been? I've had better, Jed, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I know this, but perhaps for the uh, for the benefit of the listeners, why don't you tell them what you've been up to? Yeah. So it was all set for uh, all set for a, a trip down to Wales. The attacking scrum road show down to Wales. Exactly. Yeah. A um, couple of a uh, couple of interviews lined up as well, which I'm sure you'll go on to in a bit. Um, and yeah, the uh, my little ones unfortunately came down with an illness, so couldn't go. Uh, so I've had a uh, an interesting weekend here in the house, uh, climb, climbing the walls. But enough about that. How, how was it? Yeah, it was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I've put a bit on social media about this. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be plugging these quite hard. So as well as going down for the game this weekend, uh, we had some some great interviews lined up. And we spoke to Phil Steele, uh, of course, the um, BBC Wales correspondent plus you know he does fantastic uh, after dinner speeches and an ex-player himself and we spoke uh, at great length about his book his uh, his battle with depression and uh, and how uh, how he's coped with that his life his career and you know what? it was just an absolute joy to chat to Phil he is an absolute uh, salt of the earth lovely guy and uh, yeah, you know, couldn't have been couldn't have been any nicer. And he was very, very open, honest, and candid with us. So hopefully, when we release that in a couple of weeks' time, that will make for really, uh, really interesting listening. Uh, so again, big you, thanks to to Phil for for coming on. Jed, did you share an orange? Yes, of course, of course. How could you how could you do an interview with uh, with Phil Steele without saying a uh, have a good orange? Uh, so yeah, the perfect way to end that. What a man! And then straight after that, uh, I spoke to to the 
mercurial, enigmatic uh, scrum half of the of the 80s, former Ebervale, Pontypool, and uh, and played rugby league. Uh, and that's David Bishop. Bish. Now, uh, yeah, this one was explosive, uh, opinionated, uncut, explicit. You're going to love this. It was just incredible. And uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to edit much of it because it's uh, yeah, it's really raw. And he just, you know, there's a lot of things that um, that I wanted to set the record straight on. And he's used uh, he's used the Attacking Scrum podcast to do that. So. Yeah, again, it, it was you know it was very good of him to give up his give up his time for us, and yeah, it will make for a a very uh, a very interesting listen. There's not a dull a dull moment in that one. So yeah, that straight will be out, out in of, a few uh, weeks. Straight out of Murph's dictionary. It makes Murph you know Murph comes across like John Paul Pope John Paul II <laughs> after a chat with uh, after a chat with Bish mm-hmm. and. Yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a raw one. It's it's uncut. You know, he he talks very very openly about uh, about his career, his life. You know, he's had a very eventful um, uh, a very eventful life on and off the rugby field. So yeah, that will definitely be one uh, one to listen to. Uh, anyone who remembers uh, remembers Bish from the eighties, you know, speaks of what an amazing player he was and what a you know what an interesting character. And if you're not familiar with him. Uh, it is still very much worth listening to because there's some uh, some incredible stories as part of that. And uh, we did manage to get together once this week, though, Dan, didn't we? We did, yeah. Caught up down at Old Deer Park midweek. Seems like uh, that seems like, like months ago, ago, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, well, I'll let you uh, talk about that one. Yes, yeah, so we had a, a live special which we did with uh, with the. The coaches down at, at London Welsh, so Sonny Parker, obviously a former Wales international himself, Kai Griffiths of the of the Ospreys, and uh, and now the head coach at London Welsh. And yeah, that was really interesting as well. So it's it's been a, a very uh, yeah a great week for for getting some different guests on, some people with some different opinions, and you know those who've played the game uh, both recently and you know a, a bit further in the past, and. Yeah, very very interesting chat with uh, with those boys uh, about the Six Nations, which will be releasing this one this week. And obviously they they uh, talked about um, talked about London Welsh, talked about the Ospreys, uh, talked about um, coaching it's techniques. Wales as well, isn't it? And yeah, and plenty on Wales, and you know what it's like to what Dan Biggers really like off the pitch. So yeah, very uh, very interesting. And again, big thanks to to Sonny and Kyle, and uh, and everyone at London Welsh for giving up their time. And obviously a big um, big congratulations to them as well. Yeah, promotion. Promotion. So yeah, season. Sure was a lively one. night last night. I bet. Yeah, a few sore heads around Richmond there uh, this morning. I would imagine. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, saw some of the scenes from the change rooms. Yeah, as if the fizz was going off. So yeah, part one of the journey back complete. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, and you know you can really tell around the club that it's. Uh, someone mentioned to me on on Wednesday night. It feels like the club's got its soul back, so uh, that that can only be a good thing. So all of those things to come in the in future weeks. So make sure you listen and out to to those specials. The London Welsh one will be out later this week, and uh, yeah, be sure to be sure to tune into that. Right, fact or fiction is the first part of the show. If you've never listened before, this is the point where we read out a series of statements, and we then debate whether they are true or it's a load of nonsense and guess what Dan Killick's only gone and done the prep for this week normally it's me slaving away over this one and Killick has pulled out the bag with so much ease that I'll be expecting you to be doing a damn sight more of this in the future exactly quick 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 message yeah that's it I was like oh Dan can you help with fact or fiction like oh here's five perfect things so yeah 30 seconds later 30 seconds later, yeah, one take. As if I prepared, eh? See, off the cuff. That's it, that's it. Instinctive. Right then. uh, You're going to hit me with one, aren't you? Yeah, let's go for it. Give me a number, one to five. Four. Number four. Oh, this is a good one to start with. Wales' Rugby World Cup chances will be dictated by the management's selection policy. Fact or fiction, Killick? I'm going to go with fact. Fact on that. I don't quite. I, I think we don't know what uh, what side we're going to be going with, mm. do we? Um, no. But I think if we look at 
if we look at the Six Nations um, and Wales's performances, it's it's clear, isn't it, that we we play a very different game depending on who's playing who's playing ten. Um, Did you feel so think, like Dan Pigger put the brakes on our back line again yesterday? I think he did, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I actually think we played, we probably played into their hands a little bit as well by uh, by playing that way because it was it was extremely narrow, wasn't it? When we did go wide, we didn't it, know what to do with it, and it that was, was probably so lateral, because, wasn't it? I think yeah, it wasn't in the game plan, was it? We we probably thought it, it wasn't going to go wide, um, and so when it did, I think mentally we weren't quite there. Because it's, uh, you know the, the, those boys that are out wide should should have been able to do better. Um, we weren't quite on the money, so I think with that particular question, yeah, it's going to come down to we've obviously got enough players now that we can, depending on who we're playing against, we can pick different players. But we just got to make sure that we we pick the right ones against the right teams. And I think you could also link that back to the back row as well. We've got the back row selection wrong, in my opinion. Um, what should he so, have done with that? Let's, let's, let's hone in on that one. Well, Shingler, Shingler should have started. Um, I think, you know, against their, you know, their big, powerful chaps, aren't they? They're direct, they're front runners, and Shingler's, Shingler leads our defence. Mm. He is our main man in defence. Um, and I thought he made a difference when he came on. Yeah, I did as well. Who should have missed out then? I, I would have gone. I think I would have gone with uh, Tipperick at at seven. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously Falatau at eight and, and Shingler at six. Who would you have gone with? Yeah, I'd have done it. I, th- I think we mentioned in the last podcast. I, I would have before the game. I would have gone for Shingler, Tipperick, and Falatau. And yeah, you're right. When when Shingler came on, he, he made that difference and that crucial line-out steal at the end. Uh, you know, obviously that was a bit of a bonus, but yeah, I, I, that's definitely the back row I would have gone for. And you know, I think it is about getting that balance right. And yeah, I didn't. We I didn't haven't always got it right, have we? No, we, we, I, we, I feel the like selection is lightweight at, at times. Yeah, we've. I think we've got away with it on a few occasions this campaign. Um, the selection is absolutely key, isn't it? We all know that, and. Um, it's certainly gonna. It's certainly gonna be uh, really, really um, important now coming up to the. You know, well, at least you know, certainly in the World Cup, anyway. Um, it's almost harder now because we've got because we've got choices. All right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this one. Does it matter that Gatland doesn't know his best team at this stage? Obviously, we've still got about eighteen months to go until the World Cup, and we have seen in the past. I'm thinking back to 2011, our best showing in the World Cup, in the professional era. Going into that tournament, Gatlin really just handed places. He, he stumbled across a back row of the, the then young trio of Warburton, Lydia and Falatau, which worked brilliantly. And he slotted Reese Priestland in at 10, which again was a little bit of uh, a little bit of fortune over design. Does it matter then that he doesn't he doesn't know what that team is just yet? I don't think it matters just yet. No, I don't think it does. I think the key to it is that we we keep on exposing players to, you know, international rugby um, so that when we get the inevitable injuries, we've got players that can that can actually play at that level. Um, And then when we have got a core group of, of players that are fit at that point, we just need to make sure we get the selections right. I think a lot of people probably looking at the the side that we picked against France would have gone with, you know, with Shingler in the back row. Um, you know, it looked on paper a little bit odd, didn't it, from from the minute it was announced? Well, there's an argument that I think he's been our best player in this uh, in this tournament. In fact, I would probably say after yeah. all five games, he would be my Welsh player of the tournament. Yeah, I couldn't argue with that. He, he's, you know, he seems to be making most people's... Uh, you know, starting 15, doesn't he, at six? Mm. Um, probably the only Welsh, you know, the only Welsh player that's, that's, that's making it there. Um, I think possibly there's a case for Alan Wynne Jones, but, um, so it's a really odd one. Um, a really, you know, really odd, really odd call, isn't it? But that's, selection's going to be key, isn't it? And I think Gatland has more often than not got it right. Um, unless there's something else behind that. But, uh, the, the French game is, it was a must win game, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, I think we got it wrong. 
I think you're absolutely right when it, when you say selection is key. I think that that is the the difference at international level. Having a head coach who can make the right calls. You know, you look at England in 2015. Lancaster got it all wrong, and he made the wrong decisions, and that for me is ultimately what cost England. Uh, you know, not being able to get that, not being able to get that selection right, and yeah, I think you're right. I think Gatland has tended to to get it right when it's come round to the big tournaments. So hopefully that will be the case. But do you want let's build on that with with point two, which is Wales now have a competitive B side, fact or fiction? Fact. Fact. I think for the first time in a long time, we've now got real strength in depth. Um, competitive. It depends on who we're playing against. Um, we, it's certainly a lot more competitive than we've ever had in the past. Mm. You know, when you look at the you look at you look at the B side on paper, it's it's strong, isn't it? Um, well, I don't know what the B side is to be honest with you, Dan, because it seems there's there's a lot of chopping and changing, which, as we said, I think is is probably important that we do that. But at the moment, it's hard to say what's the what's the first team and what's the second, or just a straight second side. Then you pick, you know, say, you know, there's there's another there's another fifteen to twenty players basically isn't there outside of those players that started on Saturday yeah. that are that are very very good. We we haven't had this before, really, have we? No, you're right. I I still think there's there's key positions that that need looking at. Um, I still th- I don't think either one of the tight head props has made it their own. Uh, I think in this tournament, Francis has been playing a lot better, and but I feel like he's kind of playing at his his kind of maximum capacity. I still feel like Samson Lee has got another gear to go up in a in a a Wales jersey, and and hopefully you can do that. But uh, replacement, the replacement front row mind were very impressive when yeah, they came on against they France, were. weren't they? Because we were uh, we were going back at a rate of knots, really up against it. And um, you know, with the with the replacements coming on, was Nicky Sampson and uh, and uh, Elliot D there in the in, in the middle. It was it was impressive, wasn't it? We we really oh, had a go at them. Yeah, absolutely. I think I uh, thought we actually we actually started pushing them back and. Um, and it was needed because they, they, you're right, they gave us a hard time. Yeah, Elliot's uh, obviously at the, at, the, at the heart of that, isn't he? Really driving. Yeah, he looks. I think he looks great off the bench, actually. Uh, not that I don't think he's good enough to start, but you know, he's he wants to be out there every minute, doesn't he? And it feels like you just, you know, you kind of let him off, let him off the lead, and uh, and he goes and does a yeah. Does a great you can job, see the hunger he's got. Yeah, which means Ken can kind of can empty the tank, and. Yeah, I think I think his set piece work's been really good as well. So the you know, you would trust Elliot to come on in a big game with ten minutes to go and nail a line out to be solid in the scrum and we all know what he's capable of in the loose. Yeah. Yeah, real positive. Um because I was, I was concerned about the front row. They they were they really got on top, didn't they? And um it was looking like it was gonna be a painful twenty or thirty minutes, but on they on they came and uh couldn't couldn't budge them. They couldn't budge us at all. Yeah, and I think that's you're, you're right. I think that is happening over the uh, over most positions really as, as well. I think second row, we were saying last summer, under a year ago when uh, Alan Jones was off with the off with the Lions, that we were kind of struggling for second rows. And I think since then we've had you know Bradley Davis has had a resurgence. Obviously Charteris has kind of fallen out of favour a bit. You've then got Seb Davis, who's still untried. You know, we've yet to kind of really give him a stab. But Corey Hill, I think, has gone from being a fringe player to really making that shirt his own. I found that I found the Wales Online ratings quite disappointing yesterday. I think they gave him a five. And I actually thought Corey was very, very good again. I think the only poor game he's had was against Ireland. But I thought him and Alan, he was, he was excellent alongside Alan and Jones. Who we're going to yeah, I think later, he's, yeah, he's been he's been he's been excellent. He's really really taken up a few notches, and it's his technical work as well. He's um he's not often talked about. You know, his his effort around the park is massive, isn't it? And his mm. little link play. He's a clever, very clever player. Um, and then with the, with the line out calls and the scrimmaging as well, it's it's yeah, he's a real. You know, you think it'd be difficult. It'd be difficult to shift from that position now, which is great because we wouldn't have said that before. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I think you're right. This feels like the overwhelming positive to have come out of this tournament is that it does feel as though there's, yeah, you're right, 25, 30 players that you could trust in into the mix. The, 
the one that really would, does worry me going forward, though, is is at scrum half. Now, I really like Gareth Davis, but again, if we're talking about having two or three players in in those positions, and we're just going to be kind of waving goodbye to Reese Webb, who I still think is hands down the best scrum half in Wales and one of the best in the world. Uh, I, I do feel like that's a, that is a bit of a worry. Yeah, we have well, we haven't seen any of the other the other nines really have we well certainly enough anyway so we're going to have to um, have to do some work there because if Gareth if he does get injured then we're going to be in the soup a little bit um, I know you really want to see Thomas don't you yeah I really like I, I think he's just got something a little bit different you know he's very raw I think you know his I think perhaps you know his decision making and and some of the that's you know the, the tighter areas of his game, but I think his service is decent, and he's definitely an attacking threat. You know he's got some wheels on him. Uh, I, yeah, I would like to see him. Yeah, I really want to see him kick on, and uh, yeah, I, he's definitely a player who excites me. Yeah, we do need. I think that's certainly an area, isn't it? Nine that is a, is a concern. Um, yeah, because I kind of feel like if you need a spark at nine, bringing Alad Davis off the bench, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it does that at the moment. No, it's more of a it's more of a sort of um a conservative um replacement then, isn't he, with you know good service, mm. you know, fairly you know, fairly good kicking game most of the time. Um but if we really need to if we need to do something different then uh we are lacking a little bit there. And I also feel that we need to expose either Patchell or Gareth Anscombe at 15, um, so that we've got a viable sort of, you know, Playmate attacking and safe yeah. option as well. So not just, you know, not just that Gareth or that Anscombe or, or Patchell can can run and, and attack from from that position, but actually defend from there. Yeah. So, you know, that's absolutely key, isn't it? And we did see, you know, again, we saw how good um, Halfpenny was, you know, with his positional tackling, and, and it was just... It's so easy to make an error there, isn't it? You know, we saw Liam make a number of errors, and we just need we need to see another another fifteen play there regularly, I think. And we haven't got that long to go. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's uh, let's move on to another one now, and this is someone who's surely not likely to be uh, not likely to be a selection that's up for debate anytime soon. Alan Jones is getting better with age, fact or fiction? Fact, he is incredible, isn't he? I, the engine on the man, is. I, I just can't believe how he uh, how he plays like that week in week out. You know, full eighty again, chasing. You know, he's just a nuisance. Um, without being sort of, you know, without being overly aggressive. You know, he's no, he's not throwing punches, but he's just an absolute nuisance, isn't he? Holding on to everyone, in everyone's faces, in the ref's face. Um, the guy is an absolute warrior, isn't he? And he's just an inspiration. I mean, he's f- unreal. Yeah, I thought yeah, you know, yesterday. There's there's absolutely no denying how fantastic he was. He did everything, you know, in a in a pretty turgid game of rugby. He hit every ruck. He was he was holding them up in, you know, just kind of nullifying that those rolling malls. He carried hard. And uh, that, that cheeky little offload as well. Oh, that offload, you know, it kind of yeah. Had, it had it all, really. He loves he's, he loves the offload now, doesn't he? He's sort of come into his game over the last 12 months. Um, and um, and he loves a burst up, doesn't he, now? Mm. Burst up the middle or... Um, he, is getting, he is genuinely getting better, isn't he? I'm not getting carried away with this. He's no, I, better, I would agree with that. I think he's he's playing the best rugby of his, of his career. You know, he's, he's right up there. He is, yeah, he's certainly as good, if not better than he than he ever has been. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just Mister Dependable, isn't it? When you see the name on the team sheet, you're filled yeah. with uh, you're filled with what's the word with confidence. He must do so much as well for the team, just knowing that you know, you know, God, yeah, it just must be that silent little little monkey, little voice in your head, just you know, Halloween in the side. Thank God for that, you know, um, which just must give everybody a lift. Um, and equally, you know, for the other for the other side, the other team playing against 
against him. They're just like, bloody hell, we've got a long afternoon with him in our ear the whole time because he is constantly talking, isn't he? He is, and you're right, actually. We uh, This came up on, on Wednesday night when we were talking to, to Sonny and Kai, who obviously shared a dressing room with Alan Wynn uh, when they were at the Ospreys and said right from, from day one, you know, when he turned up as a young buck, he was flying into everything. And uh, I think the expression Kai said was, uh, was you know, was about playing, um, sorry, training the way you play. And every time he trained, it was as if it was a, a test match. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty high recommendation, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, they they couldn't speak highly enough of him, could they? Uh, Sonny was Sonny also mentioned, didn't they? This 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 chap was just hurtling around, um, and you remember you remember thinking, who on earth is this guy? Um, and obviously he hasn't he hasn't stopped since, has he? So the the other thing is that he just doesn't get injured. Oh, don't say things like that. You know well, no, I've, I've, every, I've, I've said every this Ospreys, Ospreys fan in West Wales will be cursing your name now, Dan Killett, for saying something well, he, like that. He doesn't, does he? He's the way he plays. You'd expect him to pick up, oh, you geez. know, pick up a number of knocks. But God, um, why would you ever say that? Why he's would you fine. Ever say he's, that? He's he's just signed the signed a nice deal now. The, the, the Welsh the WRU will look after him if he does pick up a knock. It'll be all right. Yeah. Um, He's not going to pick up a knock, anyway. It's Adam and Jones. The guy's something else. Well, let's uh, um, let's, let's hope that you are right. Uh, okay, we've got a couple more on fact or fiction to get through, but first we're going to take a very short break. So a couple more things to get through on Fact or Fiction. Then coming up later in the show, we'll have Sinbin, which is our version of Room 101, Room 101 even, where you get to throw the gins. Uh, Sadly, not on the gins tonight. I think this is just the effects of doing five podcasts in one week. (laughs) It's getting (laughs) to me now. And I wish we had an impact sub to bring off the bench. But uh yeah, I'm playing the full 80 this week, I think. Uh, but right, a couple of fact or fictions to go. And let's go with this one, Dan. And we'll, I'll start by asking you this then. All that mattered in the France game was the £3.3 million prize money. Fact or fiction? Fact. I'm going to go with fact on this because we desperately need, <laughs> desperately need that money. Um, I do think we needed the win. It was absolutely important. But I think, as we touched upon earlier, that we got the selection wrong, which then made it a lot more difficult than it should have been. Mm. And if it wasn't for Tran Duke uh, playing, then we wouldn't have won the game. He, he he won it for us, didn't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, all the chat about Wales, Wales's selection at number ten. Thank God they went for Tran Duke. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, the first. I'm still laughing now. That first try. When he sort of leapt up like yeah. Bambi, um, it was a wicked bounce. It was like a leg spinner from from Scott Williams, but I think it was. All... But it was it was the way he sort of flung his arms yeah. around and his legs. Like he he couldn't. He should have just kept them down because he couldn't get to it anyway. But it was sort of this comical sort of like after attempt when it when it, it, it had com- it had completely gone away from him, and uh, and then he grabbed his knee as well. Then he it was just. They should have taken him off after that and just said, look, it's, it's not going to be your day today. Off, you know. It got much worse as well, didn't it? I think the, it did. the missed shot of goal, the, the penalty <sighs> kick that went not even just touching goal, but over the far line. Ooh. And then his pass. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, God, yeah, you pass, really do have yeah. a stinker. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, definitely won the, he definitely won the game for us. But we, we um, you know, it was... I think the, that definitely was in the back of Gatlin's mind they would have said that we went into that game with a with a sort of defensive mindset yet we played not our main defensive man in Shingler. Mm. <laughs> uh I think we're all trying to work that one out. And then we played bigger at ten, which I can you know, I can understand why we played bigger at ten. I mean he did put in some you know he did put in some uh, some big hits. Um but equally I think we didn't move them we didn't move them around at all. And the French boys you can do that. Um, 
you know, particularly in the wider in the wider channels, they played. I thought they played fairly well. You know, that Fiku try was was a good try, but it, yeah. we made we made them look decent. I thought. Yeah, I um, think you're right. And we mentioned, I you know, Dan, I've been speaking to you about so much about rugby this week. I can't remember if this was on air or not, but we spoke about potentially looking to challenge Bastaro in the outside yeah. channels. And you're right, we really played into his hands because he had a he had a field day over the ball, smashing into people. Uh, you know, when he when he was when he had the ball in hand as well. I will say I thought a lot, and this I'm only going from watching it in the in the ground, so I haven't actually watched the game back. Don't yeah, rub it in. But the uh, the uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the breakdown, I did think there was a lot of a lot of going beyond the ball, and um, I thought that I didn't think they were supporting their own body weight a lot of the time. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think Matteo Bastro sometimes can't support his own body weight when he stood up. But it was. Yeah, I mean, like, I think you're right. We just we played into their hands. Yeah, well, Bigger was uh, was sparking at the ref again, wasn't he? Mm. Regarding uh, Bastro being on his on his elbows, I think not supporting his not supporting his body weight. But we should have half time. He should never be in those situations because you can nullify you can nullify him. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's an enormous guy, isn't he? And if you if you play the game that he wants wants you to play, he'll have a field day, and that's what we did. That that was the most frustrating thing because. Um, we did speak, didn't we, before before the game, and said, like, just you know, we just both hope that we mo- were able to move them around a bit, mm. especially their pack as well, because we kept it so narrow. Um, and I don't think they, they, I don't think they're a great side. Um, I think that they're as well. getting I think better, they're but they're not great. Yeah, and, I would agree. I think they're improved, but really, yeah, they're young as well. They, you, you know, they they they're young. They, you, you can. Tactically, we 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 got it wrong. It was just a, it was just a little bit frustrating. I was sort of I, I was quite pleased that the game was the game was over when it was, and uh, I, I wanted to see a bit of bit of brilliance from from kind of either side, which is which is odd. You know, not that I wanted us to lose, but it was it was pretty dire. Um, yeah, it was turgid stuff, and no points in the second half for us. I think kind of said it all. Um, one thing I will say though, geez, they've got some amazing names in that lineup, haven't they, France? You've got you got a team with players like called Jefferson Poirot and Wenceslas Lore. That's that's amazing. I absolutely love that. Sebastian Vaharmanar. That's yeah. These are great names. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd love to be a commentator with those names. Well, yeah. you'd be all right. I'd be I'd be all over the shop. That's it. Yeah, you worry for Eddie Butler, don't you? Having to put on ridiculous, ridiculous French accents uh, <laughs> when he's when he's announcing those. Right, final one then, Dan, to finish fact or fiction. The first. Uh, the first uh, section of the show. Wales are on an upward curve, fact or fiction? Fact. This is five out of five for facts tonight. Yeah, fact. We, we're definitely on an upward curve after the autumn, the disappointing autumn campaign. I think finishing second is a good good outcome, considering the amount of injuries we've got. And we've, we've shown that, you know, we can be very, very creative and have a, uh, you know, post teams a real attacking threat when we click and in some respects you could say it's a positive that we haven't had the complete performance from 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 us yet um so that's a positive and also the fact that we've got a load of players now that seem to be there or thereabouts in terms of international quality um so it's all super positive and then let's look at you know that three million that three million odd will be extremely well uh well received by the WIU. Yeah, that is a really important factor. You know, we need that as much as, you know, as much as it, I, I think you're right. I think we are on a, an upward curve. I wouldn't say it's a steep tra- trajectory at the moment, but we have moved in the right direction. I think a lot of us felt, or nearly all of us felt after that first game in Scotland, that we were going to see something very, very different from Wales now. And, um, it didn't kind of turn out that way, I think. It didn't, no, but in part it did, didn't it? I mean, we've, you know, we play, we play some, you know, we play, scored some really nice tries throughout this tournament. If you look back and watch the tries that we've scored, they've been great. Mm. It's just we've then seen some, some sort of, you know, real turgid plays from us as well. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, but then, you know, because of the inexperience and the way we've meddled and, and you know, pulled players out, I mean, um, you know, we haven't talked about we haven't talked about Patchell yet, have we? But I mean, him, you know, 
this whole selection thing with him, you know, having a blinder against uh, against Scotland, then having a tough, you know, a relative well, a tough out in there against against England. But you know, he didn't have any decent ball, and so did so did almost everybody. Um, and then just completely cast aside. Yeah, so it, it is a strange one, and that's the bit I worry about because I I love watching Reese Patchell play. You know, whether it's at 10 or 15, I just love it when he's on the pitch and he, he feels like a a Welsh back of old. You know, his instinct is to throw a is to throw a dummy or swerve the hips or pull a deft little kick in. You know, he's he plays with such adventure that that is what I want to see in there. But um, I'll tell you what is interesting now is that because we still don't know what our uh, you know what our what our best side is that the the next internationals for us, we're going to have to look at them, I think, very, very differently. Um, Very, very differently. uh, It's going to be interesting, definitely interesting, and I'm sure that we're going to be looking at more variations in selection when it comes to the summer, actually. And, yeah, that will be... Yeah, I I don't know, you know, whether that will be how much we'll learn over the summer in terms of Wales as as a unit, but I think we're definitely going to see a lot more players kind of given a given an opportunity and see what they can do but yeah i i would go i would say fact on that one as well that they are on an upward curve wales and yeah hopefully it it will be uh you know hopefully it continues it will continue yeah um one thing i would say as well is that the this kind of hype about finishing second looks great from the money point of view but that's not a barometer of you know, it's not it's not a league table, really, is it? You know, you play you play what five tests. It's not it's not like playing a season long thing and going, oh yeah, we finished we finished second in home and away fixtures with it. It's it's just not. And I think that realistically, Ireland were very much deserved champions. You know, if you win the Grand Slam, there is absolutely no argument with that. Uh, Wales probably were the next best team you know it feels like the if the wheels haven't come off the chariots at Twickenham they're wobbling a bit uh Scotland just can't do it away from home even though they got a win yesterday and Italy are they're garbage so look I think I think the bigger thing is is that gulf between being able to compete with the top the top nations away from home that's the bit that we've got to close now yeah well yeah I mean but we you know you look at you look at England and and the Ireland game, we could have won those games. So I'm should for have, me, it's a, it's should a, have won the England game, and I think we should be looking back at that as as a disappointing, as a, as a missed opportunity. The Ireland game, yes, we could have, but we were also blown away. Yeah, I mean they 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 don't worry me hugely though. The the, the, the Ireland, well, they're very very. They know what they're good at, and they stick to it. They stick to their guns. They're they're really really uh, well coached and drilled. But to to think that we we were somehow in that game over in Ireland with 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 the way in which we played should give us hope. You know, it really should. And we could have won that game. We could have come out of there with wins. So there's so much. There's there's a lot of. I'm I'm really positive about the campaign. I, I, I you know I really do think that. Um, you know, the, the the two wins there with. We could have come out of it with with two wins. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I I just think you have to look. You have to look at the end result first and foremost, and say we we didn't take our chances against England. I think we got a selection wrong, and against Ireland, we couldn't cope with the way that the referee refereed the breakdown, and we weren't able to adapt to that. So, you know, I, I yeah. I mean, they've got their selection spot on, haven't they? They've well, Ireland did. I yeah. don't know. Eng- England, I don't think did. I, you know, I think if you no play, Ireland, I mean, yeah, if you play a, a six at seven, which they've done with Rob Shaw, and who else played that time? She played Nathan Hughes, who is a very good ball carrier, but he's not the most mobile around the park. And then you also pick who was it? It was either Laws or Atoji at six. I think it was Laws. You know, you got an extra lock there. Really, we should have had. I think we should have caused them more trouble at the breakdown. I know every player is responsible for the breakdown in this day and age but I do think that that's that's an area where uh, we could have caused them problems yeah yeah I mean England can change it very quickly if they start picking players in their in their rightful positions and those players that are actually in form I think it's mad um, they don't pick Underhill by the way I do not understand that 
I think he's well, yeah, they, he's they look totally too. different. Yeah, they look totally different when he was when he was uh, when he came off uh, off the bench in that game. Obviously, he's now got that nasty toe injury, isn't he? But mm. he, um, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> they can change it very quickly by playing by playing him or, or, or you know Simmons, and they got you know Zach Mercer. They could potentially they got they got lots. You know, pop him in at eight, but um, yeah, I hope that uh, England continue to pick. Uh, Pick pick players in the wrong position. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, long long way that continue. Right, time then for Sinbin, which is the opportunity for you to air your frustrations. And every week we turn to our Facebook group uh, to let for them to let us know what's been annoying them, and then we'll uh, we'll debate them on air. And we've had a few this week. Which uh, again, if you want to get involved in this in the future, make sure you like our Facebook group. Sorry, join our Facebook group which is called Wales Rugby Fans. If you search for that, uh, we'll accept you and uh, and you can get involved in the debate there. So a couple of things. First up, uh, Danny Thomas says, Brian Moore is one, is, uh, is one of those things. And conversations that go on between the TMO and the referee. So things like uh, the contact was in the upper neck slash head area. These are things that are, uh, that are annoying him. What do you make of both those things? Well, Brian Moore's in just him. Yes. So I think Danny says, uh, words come out of his <laughs> mouth, but he says nothing. Yeah, I do I do find it difficult to listen to him, I've got to be honest. Um, Brian Moore, yeah, he's a bright chap, isn't he? Mm. Um, clearly knows the game, but I, I, it just talks too much for me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for that with Danny, actually, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, you're not, are you? No, I don't dislike Brian Moore. I find him sometimes he can be a bit much on commentary. I knew you'd like him. Uh, well, I don't know, but I don't really like him. Um, but he do, he does know his rugby. He is a bright guy. He has a habit. <laughs> <laughs> he has a habit of. Uh, That's why we should like him. <laughs> very long, very long sentences as well. Yeah, on that, on. just just seems to go on forever. Actually, sometimes. Get, just getting very comfortable making the point, but actually you don't get around to it at all. So I, I, I do kind of see, I see where, uh, I see where he's coming from a bit, but I don't know. I like, I like the fact he's got opinions and he's not just, uh, he doesn't just. You're going to do your Andy Howell next. <laughs> uh, no, we'll save Andy Howell for another time, don't we? Uh, we'll yeah, save that for another then. time. We're talking about selection, <laughs> we've uh, Yeah, we'll save that one for uh, we'll save that one for another time. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I kind of get what you're saying there. And a common theme. So this has been mentioned by Nick Roden and uh, by Reese Williams as well uh, about beer drinking in the Millennium Stadium and the effect that it's having on the atmosphere. Uh, well, how was it? I mean, you were there. Utter you? utter toss. Uh, it was really disappointing from our point of view. The French fans were magnificent. We had a, we, they travelled in numbers. We had a few round by us. They were great fun. That you know you could probably hear it on the telly. But every time you know that Blur starts up, people really got into it. And I thought they made loads of noise. Uh, the singing of their anthem was phenomenal. A real goosebump, goosebump moment. And uh, yeah, uh, the. They they were fantastic. It just felt like, you know, I know we've, we've spoken about this before, and I don't know if it's the beer or or what. Now we had some really pissed people behind us, and they made it. They they just clearly weren't watching any rugby at all. You know, I heard this. I heard this whole woman's life story, and I just thought, God, you know, what are you getting out of this? You're paying eighty five quid, and you're barely watching any of it. Now, admittedly, it was a a pretty drab game of rugby but do you know what? Out, of, out of everything what it made me want to do is think right next year I'm going to go and watch France versus Wales in in Paris and I'm going to go and watch Wales away because I think that's just you know I think that's uh, potentially going to be a, a much more enjoyable experience <laughs> Jeez, that's pretty uh okay you know I have had a thought on this one though Dan and I don't know if this is utterly mad but I'd love to see down the one end of the stadium. Uh, I'm thinking potentially you could do this Glanmore's Gap. If you were to to turn that into like a, a singing area, so make the tickets a bit cheaper. You know, in an ideal world, this might be mental, but I'd love to see it as terrace as terracing. But <laughs> you turn that into into an area where you have people leading the singing. So I don't know if you put the choir in there, you put 
and you actually you make a real point of turning it into something really really special and everything leads out of there and if you do that then I think you know the rest of the stadium will then really join in with the singing but you know we didn't really so you have... think it needs intervention then yeah it's got to that point yeah I do I do and like I say I don't I don't want to see um I don't want to see the bars closed during the during the game I just want to see the the stadium filled with people who are happy there to have a drink you know but at the same time it's rugby first and foremost and that's the bit that that I just think is is missing and I, I just want to I want that atmosphere of old to come back and you wonder whether it's about pricing people out but you can't afford to change that massively but I do think with some of those guys I think you could experiment in the autumn sell cheaper tickets in there recruit a you know a singing area I don't know maybe we should do something about it and we should lead some kind of uh petition to get a you know, a bit of a choir going on in the, going on in in one end of the ground. Have everyone sat together and, and uh, and look to create a bit more of an atmosphere. You like a sing song, don't you? I do like a sing song. Yeah, I think everybody, I think everybody likes a sing song, don't they? Really, at, at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's quite sad to hear that. Uh, it did look as if on on the TV anyway that all the singing was coming from the from the French. They seemed to be having a whale of a time. Yeah. Um, you know, what? I'd, I'd love that. I would love to have strong visiting support, really vocal. And we've got, you know, we've got Delilah or hymns and arias flying back at them and the place is rocking, you know, whereas we, we you know, we barely mustered up a, a few chance, you know, a few chance of wheels. That was about it, you know. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's really sad. So I do hope that that, I do hope that changes. I know it's a bit of a dead rubber game, but I just looked at the way the, the French the French supporters were there, and even though, even though they they lost, you know, as their players walked around to uh, to kind of wave so the fans you. and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. you know they were still chanting out. So I don't know, some some food for thought there. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. All right, then just to finish with any other business, which is our roundup of all the other bits and bobs that have happened this week in rugby news. You mentioned this earlier. Alan Jones signs a new deal. With the Ospreys and Wales, which is a massive boost, you know, I don't think anyone would begrudge him a, a trip off to France in the sun or a big payday in England. But it's fantastic news, I think, that he's that he's sticking around to play rugby in Wales. Yeah, he's he's it's just so so him, isn't it? He's committed committed again, you know. Um, he's probably got he's obviously got an eye as well, hasn't he, on the uh, on the World Cup and. You know the WIU will manage him, make sure that he's not overplayed, and all those other things. And then maybe, maybe he can pick up uh, a year or two's contract after the World Cup in the sunnier climates. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned there the kind of time management thing with him. And Gatland's already said that he's he's going to leave him out of the summer tour in order to in order to recover. It's been a long old season for him, and uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a, a good decision. You know, we have to have a look at. A few different options. I think that's wise, yeah, on that. On that, but I, on on the backs, I think we need to take our we need to take um, our strongest backs and work out, you know, and actually have a look at some of the combinations again. You know, you know, if we, I, th- I don't think we can afford to rest anyone really, unless there's an, unless there's a real, real obvious need. Mm. Do you go along with that? Yeah, I think you're right. We yeah. can't miss any games, can we? There's too there's too few games now to to um, uh, to sort of experiment with. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. And yeah, I would like to see. Yeah, I would like to see a, a pretty strong. And you know, you can't afford this to turn into a development tour in the sense of no. just you know getting players out there solely for the experience. I think we've got to go out, win games, and play well. But yeah, you're right. I think we need we need to take a strong a strong team out there. And you know, like we said, like we said before, I think you know we're still none the wiser as to who. Our ten during the World Cup's going to be. I think there's some other positions we could we could use to have a look at. So yeah, it's the perfect opportunity. But I think Alan and Jones can can rest up over the summer. Jen, I'd love to see a probables versus a possibles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the last That'd be time we genuinely saw that, good now, wouldn't it? The last time we saw that four years ago turned out to be a, a complete oh one-sided yeah. romp. But uh, yeah, it might be a bit might be a bit different. A bit now. Different now. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, Patchell going up against Bigger would be very interesting. Be a, be a bit spicy as well. I think you're. I think you're probably right. 
another see that second, down the brewery field. Yeah, another second row who is uh, is hopefully set to return soon is Jake Ball. Now, obviously, he's been he's been injured for a while, but he's been named in. Um, uh, he's been named in the, the kind of the registered players for the, the Scarlet's quarterfinals. So hopefully he's set to feature again soon. And that's another option we got in. Another option we got in the row. Yeah, good to have him back. Big, hard hitting second row. Adds a lot of bulk, doesn't he? So we've got we've got two big boys there, haven't we, with Bradley. Um I thought Bradley did well when he came on as well. Mm. Um and then yeah, so it's just yeah, it's good. It's all it's all really positive. It is. And meanwhile, injury problems at the Dragons aren't getting any easier. So Leon Brown, Jack Dixon, Gavin Henson all set to miss the end of the season. And I just oh God, it can't come soon enough. Can't come soon enough for me. It's uh, Yeah, it's a real worry. But yeah, it's just a question of, of getting through. Obviously, you've got the you know, big, uh, big derby fixtures coming up soon in, the, in Judgment Day. And yeah, I just don't think Dragons can afford to be on the end of too many other hammerings. But uh, but yeah, hopefully Ollie Griffiths is set to be back soon, and that would be a that would be a big boost. Yeah, that'd be a huge boost, and then we'll see who else is going to be uh, coming in. That's it. Yeah all, yeah, all eyes, all eyes on next season, I think. But uh, yeah, there's some some tricky fixtures to get out of the way in the meantime. But yeah, club rugby set to return very very soon. So naturally, we'll, our focus will uh, will return to. Uh, to those games uh, when we come back next week. Uh, in the meantime, we've got these series of specials, so do make sure you keep checking our checking our feed. So if you don't subscribe to us already on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to get your to get your uh, iTunes, uh, sorry, to get your podcast fixed, make sure that you you do subscribe to us. That way, you won't ever miss an episode, and when we release these specials, you'll be able to hear them. So the first of these will be coming out later this week, and it's our our live show that we did down at London Welsh this week. So uh, yeah, make sure you tune in for that one. And if you've enjoyed this, then uh, leave us a review as well, which uh, you can do on uh, on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as it used to be known. And yeah, get in touch with us at Attacking Scrum uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and join the Facebook group as well. And uh, yeah, as always, big thanks to our sponsors, So Coffee Trades, and you can get your hands on some at socoffeetrades.co.uk. We'll be back very, very, very soon. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.